That's a sermon in and of itself, that song. Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and find the book of Philippians. Uh, we're about to wrap up the book, wrapping up the series about uh, God's design uh, for His church. And uh, today, uh, we look at the, the issue of peace. Um, God desires that, that we live in peace among one another, certainly. But to understand as a believer in Christ, the importance that the Prince of Peace gives to us uh, as His uh, children. Uh, so I pray that uh, uh, as we have gathered today, uh, that the Lord would indeed uh, show us, impress upon us, uh, that when we know Him, when we are inhabited by the Holy Spirit, that which is of God, uh, given to us by the power of God, uh, can then be used for God's glory and for our good. And I, I don't know about you, but in our world today, uh, we find a lot of uh, unrest, uh, certainly uh, not peaceful situations, uh, but yet in the midst of those circumstances, we can still have and know the peace of God in our hearts. And I was just thinking that in terms of this issue of peace, it is something that's occupied the minds of men and governments from ever since we've been here. Uh, there's been something like nearly 6,000 peace treaties over the years of our known history. And yet, do we have world peace? Of course not. Of course not. Uh, so today, uh, Paul talks about this, in which is obviously something we want and it's something in which we desire, but it is something that so few of us really know. And understand. And I'm not talking about the lost world out here, but I'm talking about God's people. So few of us really understand this and, and, and experience this. And God didn't give it to us uh, like some of the tools that I've been given through the years that are just sitting in a shop that, that I'm not going to use or, or I don't know how to use, but God's given me tools for, for us to use and for us to experience. Uh, the power of God in our lives. So if you would this morning, let's stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. And we'll be in verse 2 of chapter 4, and we'll read through uh, verse 9 as you follow along there in your copy of God's Word. Beginning in verse 2, I implore Euodia and I implore Sintichi to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, Help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Father, thank you for your word today. 
And Lord, as we close out that, that paragraph of this letter, what a powerful statement that the Apostle Paul is able to say, what you've learned and what you've received and what you have saw me do, you do those things. The power of a testimony, the power of a life submitted to the will of God. Lord, get us to that place. We confess this morning, Lord, we are works in progress, but we are works in progress. Help us to progress in a way that is honorable to you and is beneficial to us and helpful to those around us. Father, there's not a greater book written than the Word, than your, your Holy Bible this morning. This is our blueprint for success as a church. Not, not seven steps somebody else has written, although they may be well-intended and they may be useful, but God, this is the blueprint that you have for your church. Help us to obey it, uh, Lord, and to experience the wealth and the treasure of knowing it. Have your way in our hearts today. And Lord, hide me behind that cross. May I preach as a dying man to dying people. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. And you may be seated. And again, for those that are joining us online this morning, welcome as well. Um, if you miss the service or if you miss tonight's service as we're kind of uh, dealing with the issue of fighting successfully this culture war. Uh, those things are available. If you're on Facebook, I mean Facebook, they're there. Um, and if you're, uh, if you're into podcasts, um, uh, the Word with Liberty is available as well. I think I said that right. If not, I'm just going to make Jacob. Oh, I got a thumbs up. Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, Brother Terry Allen, it is a, it's special to have you with us and Joanne with us this morning. Um, if you do not know Brother Terry Allen, Brother Terry was, I believe, the very first uh, full-time pastor here at Liberty a, a little ways ago, and uh, we are delighted that you are here with us. Thank you for being a personal friend to me and our family. Uh, our boys know you as Mr. Brother Terry, and uh, we appreciate you. Thank you for all the fellowship through the years. And I got a, I got a story. You shared this with me, and it stuck with me. And I kind of think of the world in which we live in. We probably could use more of this. Brother Terry went on to, uh, to, to pastor, to teach uh, school. And uh, he told me this story about uh, in his class, uh, he had this paddle and it had Moses written on it. And he'd have him up there, have the paddle on the wall. And when those boys would get to acting up, he'd, he'd ask them, Do I need to, does Moses need to come down off that wall? And uh, it would just transform the attitudes. And uh, he later shared that, you know, we get on Facebook and some of those uh, former classmates and things would know uh, Brother Terry, and so they would they would be quote friends. And and Brother Terry said every now they'd say something on my Facebook page that was inappropriate, and I'd have to comment, "Do I need to get Moses? Does he need to come down off that wall?" <laughs> and it's just amazing. How, I'm sorry, Mister. Bro- I'm sorry, Mister Terry. It'll never happen again. Listen, there's something to be said when we know the Word of God, we love the Word of God, and we live out the Word of God faithfully in our life. It makes a difference. Paul mentions his testimony here, and we all have one, we're all making one, and may it remind us of the need to have one uh, that, is, that is worthy of the name in which we bear, a Christ child, a Christian. So this morning, as we dive into this idea of peace, God's design, God wants a church uh, that knows and experiences peace. There's enough trouble in the world, we don't need to have that trouble in, in, in the church, Amen. Uh, and, and having uh, been a part of that, 
uh, various times in my life. I know what a detriment that is, not only to the personal growth of God's people in the church, but the testimony of that uh, church to uh, the world around them. It's one thing to be dividing over theological truth, but it's another thing to be divided about things that, in the broader scheme of things, are not really that important. And, and you'll see this. Now, as we get into this, Paul mentions two people by name. So I, I, I think this was probably a pretty good disagreement. And evidently, like disagreements, it ends up in people taking sides, don't it? Uh, sometimes, I mean, in a, in a church our size, we have a lot of friends and a lot of relationships and uh, and, and some of us have a lot of things in common, some not so much. Uh, and, but in, in a church this size, there, there are many people, if you were just to look around, you have a very close relationship with someone, uh, and they may have relationships with other people that you may not even necessarily know much about because you just don't have necessarily some of the same likes and things that they do, hobbies, whatever, talents. And so you don't know them as well as they do. So you can understand. How, how in a church, when one person uh, is being divisive toward another, it has a ripple effect. Just as if you throw a stone in a pond, no matter how big or small, it has a ripple effect. And, uh, and it makes its way out. And so there are always the consequences to the decisions that we make, and there are always consequences uh, to the decisions that we make in respect to these, uh, with respect to these relationships. So Paul mentions... Uh, these two ladies, uh, Euodia and uh, Sintichi, or Sintiki, or really, you could just say Sydney for short, probably, but just these two ladies uh, had some kind of issue, and that Paul would mention them by name, but he also tells us something about this. He gives us this, this idea that there needs to be peace in relationships with respect to God's people in the church relating to the gospel and the sharing and the teaching ministry of the word. Because he says that they're, they're fellow believers. And he says, as he mentions this in the broad scheme of those that are around them, he says, you are all, your name's in the book of life. Well, there's only one kind of person whose name is in the book of life. These, these are not hostile uh, infidels out here. These are believers. These are believers that, as Paul put it, they were fellow laborers with me in the gospel. They knew Paul, and they had helped him, obviously, establish that church at Philippi. So this is a work. These are people that have fruit bearing of work with respect to the gospel in their life. This was something that was important to them. But something's happened, right? Because notice what he's urging them. Uh, he's not asking them. He's imploring them. That's not just merely suggesting. He, Paul is saying to the team, you got to get it together. You need to get it together because the fracturing of your relationship is having an effect in a negative way on the rest of the church. Now, understand something. Again, I mentioned this last week. Paul's saying the same things he's been saying from day one. Ten years before this, he mentions the same things to the church at Thessalonica. And here he is, though he's in prison, though his uh, uh, you know, circumstances have changed, he's still carrying that same message forward. It has not changed. Ten years down the road, he's still saying the same things. He's still the same man. He says, there needs to be peace in your relationships. 
as believers, we need to keep peace in our relationship because it has an effect. Now notice what he says. He says, I implore you to be of the same mind. Of the same mind. And I was sharing this this morning. If we're out in in the woods somewhere uh, in another time period and we got turned around and we got lost and you're with another person and you determine based on the way, you know, the sun, you know, rises uh, in the east and it sets in the west and you determine that, you know, We can look at the sun, we know it's traveling this way, and I know, we know that if we travel west, we're eventually going to have, you know, we're going to come out on a highway and we can find our way back to the the truck or whatever. And so you both determine, okay, we're going to follow the sun, we're going to go west, and we're going to have to walk a ways, but eventually we're going to come out and we're going to be standing on the side of the road. If nothing else, we can hitchhike, right? And so you both set out heading west, knowing that eventually you're going to come out uh, to a highway. An hour into it, one of you says, look, I know we know there's this highway, but I think if we were to just shoot north, we'd get there quicker. What's happening? The mind's changing. One person's wanting to go this way, and another person's wanting to go that way. See, here's the, here's the beautiful thing about the gospel. There's one gospel. There's, there's how many ways? Jesus says there's one way. I am the way. There's what? I'm the truth. I'm the life. And there's no other way to the Father but through me. There's not multiple ways. And and though there's methods in which to take the message, that message is that one message. And he's saying you need to be of the same mind. You need to get on the same page. And you need to understand that whatever you're upset about, and believe me, now if we're just going to be honest, we can probably think of situations where we've been upset about things that in the bigger picture were really not that important. We all got those stories. And Paul says, I need you to get on the same page. I need to be, you need to be of the same mind. Whose mind is that, by the way? The mind of Christ. We're to look at people a certain way and we're to share the gospel fervently, zealously, faithfully for the glory of God. And he says there was a time in your life when you did that, but now you can't because you're not on the same page. You're not of the same mind. You're distracted by something. And Paul says, I need you to resolve it. And he says, not only you, I need those of you who are there and you know the issue and you've perhaps taken aside. I need there to be a truce here and we need to get back on the same page. Notice he asked, he asked the, the leadership, he asked for their fellow brothers in Christ, their sisters in Christ to work things out. Why? Because God wants his church to know peace. I want to know peace, right? If you're just into bad things, turn the television on, right? I want to know, I want to have the peace of God in my life. And I want to experience. Nobody wants to come uh, to uh, a church that's divisive. Nobody wants to do that. There is no church that's divisive that's growing. They won't do it. Divided house will not stand. And so Paul reminds them, you need to be back on the same page. Committed Christian workers following the will of God and dealing with conflict and things in their life. Now, not, this does not mean, and I think you understand it, it does not mean everybody's vanilla, everybody likes the same ice cream, you know. That, that's not what this is talking about. But this is talking about there is something that we're choosing sides to and what's it hindering. 
the spread of the gospel. The spread of the gospel. We have got to be committed to resolving conflict. You know, by the way, the Lord gives us a spouse. The Lord gives us marriage and children to help work on that issue, right? And it is a challenge. It is, it is, that's, that's part of us understanding how to, to maintain peace and conflict. Uh, you know, uh, uh, people want to come to a house where there is peace. Children, your mom and dad want peace. And when we get it, it does surpass all understanding. <laughs> God wants us to have peace in our relationships because it has that ripple effect and it, and it, and it changes things. It, it hurts the furtherance of the gospel. And so in this public letter, he mentions these two names. Again, they're believers. So he says, keep peace in your relationships. And then he talks about keeping peace in your circumstances. Jesus said in Hebrews 13.8, or uh, the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 13.8, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So notice what he says with respect to our circumstances of how to keep peace in those circumstances. Number one, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you didn't hear me, again I say rejoice. Now, why, why is it that we're rejoicing in the Lord always? Because unlike our circumstances, the Lord doesn't change. See, our, our circumstances do change. They change all the time. And that's why if, if what we're seeking uh, as Christian people is just mere happiness, we will be up and down like a roller coaster all the time. Because our circumstances, they change all the time. I mean, my goodness, buddy, if you've been on the edge of retirement and you've been looking at your 401k, you've been a sick puppy the last few years. It's made you sick. And, and chances are, like some people I know, where they were looking at one or two more years, now they're looking at about five, maybe. Because circumstances change. Changes all the time. I mean, look, the price of eggs, for crying out loud. Things change all the time. But he said we're, we're to rejoice in something. We're to rejoice in the Lord because unlike our circumstances, the Lord never changes. Notice what else he says. Start there. Set your mind on God. Rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't change. And then he says, let your gentleness be known to all men for the Lord is at hand. What is that? That is your actions. When, when, when I have properly fixed my mind on Christ, when I am anchored in that rock that is immovable, unchangeable, then it affects my attitude. It affects then my actions because your attitude affects your actions. What you think up here, what you believe up here is going to affect what you do. He's saying rejoice in the Lord always. The Lord doesn't change. And when our focus is on the Lord, then it changes our attitudes and it affects our actions. Let your gentleness be known to all men, for the Lord is our hand. You know, we live in a day when uh, there's a lot of crazy things uh, going on. And of course, we're closer to the return of the Lord than we've ever been. And we need to be ready and we need to be the salt and the light that God's called us to be. Today may be the day. The Lord is at hand, and, and despite the fact that He's promised us His coming, the reality is, as a Christian, the Lord is always with me. 
So the scowl on my face, the, 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 that, that sour look, this is, this is me reflecting something. This, this is me displaying something. And Paul says you can't change your circumstances. Uh, you know, the start of the week, we were told we were going to have terrible tornadoes on Friday or Thursday sometime. I mean, I, don't, I got the weather alert, you know, from News Center 10. Violent tornadoes, yeah, violent, violent tornadoes, as if there's another kind, right? Boy, I'm glad we just had a tornado today and it wasn't a violent tornado. Oh, that makes me feel much better. So when I was in school and we would have the drill where we'd sit in the hall with the history book overhead, that was just for tornadoes, not violent tornadoes. Yeah, as if, if, as if that's not a worse... But, you know, again, it, it changes, right? Weather changes all the time. Uh, the experts, you know, but anyway... We can't change that. I mean, we're, you know, as I said, we're in March. We're planning to have an outside service in a few weeks. And literally, it, it might be snowing. We never know in March. You don't know what you're going to get. I, I remember the blizzard of 93. Man, I, we were without power for a whole day and a half. It did happen. We had a blizzard in South Georgia in March in 1993. No joke. Some of you weren't born then, but, oh, it was tough. No shoes, uphill both ways. It was terrible. Circumstances are out of your control. And if they're good right now, rejoice in them. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the fact that things are good, but understand they won't stay there. That's why all of this psychobabble we hear in our culture today about, about growing with God when times are good, yes, but that's not how you most often grow. You're... Folks, you're, the roots run deep when you're looking and searching. And if all the water's at the surface level, you'll be this wide, but you won't be deep. God's people, we grow in that valley. We do. Can we grow on the mountaintop? Yes. Can we rejoice on the mountaintop? Yes. But we grow in that valley, and guess what? We can also rejoice in the valley. Our circumstances are out of our control. He says, I want you to rejoice in the fact that God does not change like our circumstances and like our weather. And God doesn't change with public opinion. And God doesn't say, uh, change with the, with the cultural uh, nuanced nonsense that we have today. What is still true has always been true and it always will be true. God does not change. The gospel is still the gospel and we're all still saved the same way. We come by faith repentant heart broken over our sin and when we ask in faith he gives with mercy he gives with grace abundantly we all get saved the same way keeping that peace in the midst of our circumstances he says let your gentleness be known to all men for the Lord is at hand he says be anxious for nothing anxious, worried Concerned to the point that, that I'm stressed, that I, that I find no hope. And see, that, the devil loves that. The devil loves to convince Christian people that we have no hope. You turn the television on, we see the, the, the shape of our culture and the direction it's going, and, and we, the, the devil wants us to walk away from, the, from this, you have no hope. Well, I want to tell you, 
Let me tell you where the hope is. The hope is in the fact that there has never been today a more contrast between that which is good and that which is evil. We have never had it so good in respect to that. Today there is a clear definition. There is a clear defining with the word and the world that you know one has lost its ever-loving mind and one is true and sane. Now we ain't always had that clarity in our culture. As a matter of fact, a lot of times the trouble that we have in, in churches is when we try to, to mash up all of the, the cultural nuance with how we're going to do church. And instead of being really seeker friendly, we're just... What is the word I can use, Lord? We, we just we fall in love with cheap grace. That's what we do. We, we've never been in a more clear time with respect to the way of the culture and the way of the church than where we are right now. And as Christian people, and we know this, then that opens the door for us to share the gospel, to live it faithfully, but also share it. No, one, no one's going to misunderstand what you're saying, Right? We're, we're in a situation today where we clearly understand there is a way that seems right unto men, but the end is destruction. We're living in a, a much clearer culture with respect to that truth. We don't have to be anxious in that we think there's no hope. Paul says, instead of worrying about all of this in everything, prayer. Pray about everything. Be thankful in your heart unto God and let God know what you need. It's not like God doesn't know what we need. But when we acknowledge that, you know what that brings about in our life? Humility. We understand, God, we need you. We cannot make this happen. When, when our relationships are out of balance... And, 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 and I have issues within, in, in, in my marriage or, or, or we're at odds with each other. Two people with, with the God of this universe living in them choose to reconcile and they, it can happen. It will happen. It will absolutely happen. The power of God. Uh, confessing and knowing, Lord, I need this. Yes, He knows what we need. But when we ask, when we say, God, I need this, we acknowledge to Him our dependency upon you. And folks, there's just a lot of things in our life we can't do. More on that in a minute, but there, there's just a lot of things we can't do. Can't change our circumstances, He says, be in prayer. Anchor ourselves into the Lord. Instead of worrying about everything, pray about everything. And he says that the peace of God, there's no explaining it. It guards your heart. It guards your mind through Christ Jesus. It's interesting that the term that is used there, it is a, it is a military term to literally mean someone standing at post. Someone on guard saying, no. That is, that is the level of protection that, that the Lord wants us to understand. That This is not just, you know, it's not hyperbole, it's not just fancy words. It is literally saying that the Word of God, that when we pray and we meditate on the things of God, it guards our heart. 
It guards our mind through the power of the Lord Jesus. Paul understands, like we all do, that everybody at some point in their life is going to face daunting circumstances that are out of control. But he says you can still have peace. You can still know peace. Finally, he mentioned peace of mind, right? Which in our culture today is really more like peace of feeling. <laughs> we, we just want to feel peaceful about it. It may be the wrong thing, but we just want to feel good about it, you know? That's not what he's talking about. But he's talking about the idea that in our very innermost part of who we are, to have a level of peace in which we're operating out of. Notice what he says in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, my brain's an organ, but with respect to who I am, my soul consists of my mind, my will, and my emotions. And my will is my chooser. That's my choice maker. And my chooser, my will, is influenced by what I feel and what I know with my mind. That's how it's influenced. And so he's saying, look, you've got to, you've got to let your mind be set on things because Colossians tells us we can set our mind. And we're not to be setting it on earthly things. We're to set it on Christ. We're to set it on heaven. And if we don't choose to set the mind, the mind's going to default to another setting and it ain't going to be God's things. Right? Because what we see is highly influential. Now, we even divide people up in how they learn. And these are, these are visual learners, you know. You're as a parent like, how's that happen to man, really? But I mean, you know, they're visual. They see things and it has an effect. Of course it has an effect. That's why we have commercials, right? Because we understand that what you see affects what you think and ultimately what you're going to do. And he's saying you need to set your mind, you need to choose to meditate, meditate on things that are good, that are true. And that, and that may mean that we fast from the television. Or it may mean that we change the radio station. Or throw away, if you still have the CDs, throw, throw that bundle away. Get a new subscription to uh, Pandora. Change your library on Amazon Music. Because what we see and what we hear affects what we think. It absolutely affects what we think. I mean, you, you ridicule people, you, you tell your children they're, they're worthless or they're never going to amount to anything, and guess what? They'll grow up and never amount to anything. The Lord said there's life and death in the power of the tongue. What we say, unlike our little nursery rhyme about how sticks and stones don't break my bones, yes, they do. They will damage you, brother. It matters what you say. And it matters what you answer to, by the way. Our words have impact. God speaks to us in a language. He speaks to us with words. They're powerful. His word is... is, is, is just this intrinsic value to us, we cannot put a price on the value of it. 
is transcendent. It knows no ends. It knows no bounds. It doesn't care about where the culture's at in history. God's Word is transformative. And we're to set our mind on things that are true and that are noble and that are good and that are right and that are holy, that are praiseworthy. And he says and when you do that, you maintain peace in your mind. We remember vividly the story of Joseph and all those years that, you know, his father thought he was dead. He'd been sold into slavery. Can you imagine? He, he didn't realize it was a lie, but he had been told a lie. And can you imagine all the nights that he grieved over the loss of his son because he, he believed what his boys told him with respect to Joseph, that he was dead. Here, Dad, here's the coat. Look at the blood. He must have been eaten by some wild beast. And he carried that in his soul for years. And it was a flat out lie. Our words have meaning, powerful. And when we choose to believe things that are not true, then we're going to reap the benefits, or in this case, the, uh, the disaster that comes from it. We have to know truth. We have to want truth. We have to seek truth. And when we find it, we need to embrace it and we need to, to act on it. Setting our mind on those things. There's been a lot of arguments through the years. There's been a lot of disagreement through the years. And sometimes our relationships are affected for years and even decades because we're believing things that aren't necessarily true. The childhood drama on the playground makes its way into adult life. And we just believe the same thing. See, the battlefield for every believer is their mind because it controls what we do. or It, it highly influences what we do. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 there that we're to take every thought captive before we act on it. This idea of you know impulsiveness. No, God wants us to take the thought, capture it, and decide whether I should or should not act on that thought. There are many things in our, in our culture today that are influencing those processes. We talk about the, the addiction of drugs, you know, opioids and all of these other things uh, that lead us to impulsive thinking or impulsive acting on those thoughts. Same way with pornography and all of this kind of stuff. It leads us to act impulsively where we're not taking the thought captive. We're just acting impulsively about things. It's the damage of when we don't set our mind on these things in which Paul talks, us, talks about. The, the issue of being hurt and, and feelings of, about things that may, may really not be that big of a deal in, in, in the broader scheme of things. God wants peace in His church and God wants you and I to know peace even in the midst of very daunting circumstances. God wants us to know that. Now here's, here's why it's so important. You know, we could all sit down here, we could divide up and 
smaller groups and, you know, four or five people. We could sit down, and I guarantee you most of us, if not all of us, we could talk about terrible things in your life, in your past, difficulties. And we would be talking about those things in the context that we made it through them. That we made it through them. And, and, and if we're honest, we could sit here right now and talk about uh, things that maybe we're dealing with right now. And we know that if we live a little longer, down the road, around the corner, there's another season coming where there's going to be a, a trial of our faith. Because that's how life works. But if we were to be honest, we could sit here, we could talk about things that we had been through. We've been through. We've, we've been through them. We've been through them. We overcame. We made it. And we're sitting, at some point, we were sitting on the other side of the trial. We had made it. We had made it. Christian, that's what Paul talked about when he talked about the power of God and the fellowship of his suffering. Knowing God and experiencing God. And when we acknowledge this reality, life is difficult, it's changing, but we're going to make it through. You know what that does to these other things? It helps me realize that's really not that big of a deal. And somebody might have just had a bad day and they might have said something to me and maybe I, maybe I, oh Lord, maybe I took it the wrong way. And maybe I should just let it go. And maybe I should not make an issue about it. Because not, not, folks, not everything in the life that's coming in here is nearly as devastating as, as we may think it is at the surface. Just let's look around. Got a lot of, a lot of folks here. They've experienced a lot. Not everything is a disaster. Not everything is, is, is worthy of the attention that we pay to it. Some things are just a distraction. And we need to just move on. And we need to maintain focus and we mean, need to maintain peace. Some things are just not worth getting upset about. Paul publicly, publicly calls out two people saying, get it together. Don't, don't be that. Resolve your issues. God gave us relationship as a benefit and a blessing. And if they're not right, we should seek to reconcile them by all means. But we also need to understand the importance that life, regardless of how old or how young we are, Life is, is going to be up and down. There are going to be good days. There are going to be bad days. And what we set our minds on, that's ultimately what we're going to become. So are we going to live in the country music that if I played it backward, I'd get everything back that I lost? Or are we going to set our mind on the Word of God that teaches me who I am 
and that I serve a Lord that's never going to leave me or forsake me and the worst thing that this world will ever do to me is take my life and I'm just going to wake up in glory and there'll never be another goodbye or another sad day or another tear shed. It, it, either way we look at it, we're on that winning side. Set our mind on that heavenly truth. Hold fast to that unshakable, unmovable rock of the Lord Jesus and let it anchor our life so that we're not tossed about, so that we're not shaken. God is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our trust. And I pray that you know that and you're experiencing that. Church, I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer this morning. And if you don't know the peace that surpasses understanding and if you don't know the God that calls Himself the Prince of Peace, folks, today's the day. Now's the appointed time. Prayer of faith will save the lost soul. Would you cry out to Him this morning? Father, we love You. We need You. We confess our dependency for You, Father. We're not saved by our good works. We're only saved by grace this morning. We're in need of mercy. And Father, if we don't know you this morning, I pray that God, right now in the stillness of this God, we cry out to you. The Lord, Lord, you said in your word that whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Help us to call on you today. And give us the faith to put action to that prayer. And when we stand in a moment and we sing this invitation, give us the faith to step out to come forward and make that decision known. We trust in you by the power of God. Do it, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet.